If you're visiting with us for the first time, we don't consider you visitors. We consider you first-time friends, and we are grateful that you are here worshiping God with us this morning. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm not David Cumbie. He's about 6'4". I'm Derek Lamar Smith, and I'm pitching in for him this morning as he's going to be with his family. And so I had a week to kind of cobble a sermon together. I was sharing with some of our uh, church family this morning. It usually takes me about 10 days, 10 whole days or longer to prepare a sermon, but I had to cram in just a few days. So let's go to God in prayer, all right? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Lord, how we just thank you right now for your word. It is your spirit who does the work. It is your spirit that produces the fruit. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit will teach us and that he will transform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask it all. In his strong name, amen. So we're in this series entitled, We Believe. And let me tell you, if you don't know it or not, we live in a time where what you believe matters. Now, I said the last time I preached, I think it was uh, first Sunday in June, I think, I, I, think, I said, uh, uh, people say, I don't believe. But not believing in something is actually believing. I don't believe anything. It's, it's kind of like when people say, I don't believe in absolute truth. Well, that's impossible. Because you, 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 you can't say there is no absolute truth because that statement is not absolutely true. So what you believe matters, and it's important, my friends, that you and I know what we believe. And so we're looking at this, we're preaching this series and, uh, on the Apostles' Creed, one of the great creeds of the church, by the way, which uh, uh, came into existence to, to, to deal with some of the heresies of the first century, second century, third century that, that were cropping up, that were denying uh, uh, that Jesus Christ was indeed God. It's important. And so this morning, I have the privilege, and I think this, this is almost kind of like a hard uh, 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 piece of the creed. Uh, I think that's why David ran out on me and, and left it with me. So this weekend, we're going to talk about that, 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 that phrase in the creed, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So, so what is then the most essential, the most uh, necessary, the most vital, what is the most uh, e essential teaching of the Christian faith? Is it the birth of Jesus Christ or is it the death of Jesus Christ? And, 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 and th th there are many of you who would uh, immediately run to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and say that's the most essential, and you would be right. The Apostle Paul says in, 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 in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, chapter 15, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, that is from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I, that's absolutely true. But I also believe if Christ has not been born, your faith would be impossible and you are still in your sins. So, so here's the, you know, I'm one point. Without the virgin birth, there is no gospel that sinners are saved. That's it. I can, I can close my Bible and go home right now. Without the virgin birth, there is no gospel, there is no good news that sinners are saved. So, I'm not a topical preacher, I'm more strictly expository, but you know, I'm standing in, so I've got three headings. I want to talk about how it happened, why it matters, and what it means. That's what I want us to talk about in the, in the he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, how it happened, why it matters, and what it means. Now, we read in the gospel, the angel Gabriel has been busy. He just appeared, if you read from chapter 1 uh, all the way down to verse 25, he's just appeared to Zechariah and announced that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a baby in their old age, you know, John the Baptist, just like Abraham and Sarah had their son Isaac in their old age. And the Bible says that God sends Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth was a very small town. It was about 15 miles west of the southern edge of the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus spent a lot of time. And, and, and the fact that Nazareth must be identified as a town in Galilee indicates how obscure it is. It was, it was, it was kind of like a town where my mom was born uh, 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 60-something years ago. There is no street light. It, it, I mean, our church is here, and my mom was born down in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, what we, we would call it a coon bottom. Down in, there's, there's no way, there's only one way in and only one way out. It, it was that kind of town where, where God sends Gabriel to tell this young girl that she is going to have a baby. And Luke carefully describes Mary's status. He says, he says, listen, she was a virgin. She was engaged to be married, a betrothed. Her husband was to, uh, was to be in David's line, Joseph. And all these facts are important to the fulfillment of old Testament prophecy. 
Because remember, God made a promise in Genesis chapter 3. He says, and I will put enmity or open hostility between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. He's talking to Satan. And between your seed and offspring and her seed, he shall faith fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. God is keeping his promise. God is doing here in Luke, and it's telling us, telling you and me that God is keeping his promise promise. And Gabriel gets right down to business with Mary. He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. Mary, you will conceive a child. When born, will not, will turn out to be a son. This was before you could get a sonogram. The angel told her, it's a boy. And, 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 and you must call his name Jesus which means Yahweh saves, and, and, and Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He would be the Messiah. Mary, your son, would be the promised one who would reign forever on David's throne. And, and Mary does something every one of us would do. She asks the most logical question because she is not married. She's engaged to be married. She's a virgin. And Mary wants to know, how is this going to happen? Now, are you telling me that after I get married? No, no, no. That's, that's not what I'm saying, Mary. I'm saying God's super is going to get over your natural. And this is going to be a supernatural, miraculous birth. I entitled this sermon anyway, The Unbelievable True Story. Because that's what it is. It's an unbelievable true story. Mary is a virgin. And Luke emphasizes the fact that Mary was a virgin by repeating it three times in verses 26 through 38. He says she was a virgin. She was a virgin. He, he, because what he's doing is, I want you to notice this, he's focusing our attention on God's possible impossibility. That's what God is doing. He's focusing your, my, our attention on the, the possible impossibility of what God is doing in the life of his people. God is keeping his word. And Gabriel readily explains to her what's going to happen, that the Holy Spirit will cause this in order that the child might become the holy son of God. God because apart from God's miraculous working, this would not be possible. I like the way Wayne Grudem puts it. God, in his wisdom, ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us 
from the fact of his ordinary human birth from a human mother who had labor pains, no epidural, no C-section, no, 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 no one holding her hand or rubbing her back. This was a natural birth. God was naturally born through the womb of a woman like you and like me. And his full deity would be obvious to us from the fact of his conception in Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. It is by God's Spirit. I don't want us to miss this. I want us to grab hold of this. I want us to understand how it happened. Because it's important that we understand this in a culture that there are all kinds of arguments about the, 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 the conception of Jesus Christ. And here's my, here's my second heading, why it matters. Because some religious schools have often compared and even attributed Mary's conception to the many stories of gods consorting with earthly women in the myths and legends and stories of the ancient Near East. You've heard some of them. There are comparisons of the, uh, of the virgin conception of Jesus with the various stories of gods consorting with earthly women. The, 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 for example, the exploits of Zeus, you know, and, and the other Olympian gods, they, which they all involve acts of sexual intercourse. And then, then there's the claim that the Holy Spirit and Mary had sexual intercourse. Someone even posted that. She, she, she's a classmate. Uh, her, her mother was a faithful believer. She was raised as a believer, but she posted uh, 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 on, 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 on Facebook that the Holy Spirit and, and, and had intercourse with Mary. And, 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 and so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then there's self-control. And I had to dig deep to get me some self-control because I wanted to pull out the claws and say, if you were a believer, this proves that you were never a believer because you don't know the Word of God or the God of the Word because God uh, does everything by His Spirit and by His power, and this is all based on where your faith is. It's where your faith is. This matters. There, there's the claim that the Holy Spirit and Mary had intercourse, but Gabriel makes it clear. If you read the gospel, the Holy Spirit, he says, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Hold on to that, though. Don't forget that, overshadow you. It's important to understand the word overshadow. It's an Old Testament reference. It reminds us of the divine cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. You Bible scholars are chomping at the bit because you're going back in your mind. You remember when all the work on the tabernacle had been completed and the Bible says that God overshadowed it and 
filled it with his presence and glory. And in the tabernacle, God chose to manifest and locate himself within a particular time and within a particular space. Walk with me. I'm going somewhere. And the divine cloud that established his presence in a place now, watch this, does it in a person. In Mary, the divine overshadowing of the earthly tabernacle was, watch this, a foreshadowing of the living tabernacle, the incarnation of God in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the man that God became when God became a man. That's who he is. This matters because if Jesus had been born by natural processes, he would have been a sinner like the rest of us. And beyond that, he would have not been the God man. This matters to you. This matters to us. This matters to us because he would have been just another purely human sinner. This is huge. This is, we, we think, we, we, I, I, I'm, I'm an R.C. fan, R.C. Sproul. I read everything he writes because he's a thinker and I, I want to be a thinker. And, 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 and we always call this the incarnation of Jesus Christ. But what we should call it is the incarnation of God because it is God who has emptied himself into the womb of a virgin in Nazareth whom he created whom he suffers, whom he dies for. He empties himself, God empties himself into her womb to save the person he's emptied himself into. That's huge. That's what God has done for you when you're busy struggling, trying to keep your thoughts together, trying to stay focused. You have to remember that the God who created the world by the power of his word leaped into the womb of a virgin to save your soul from a devil's hell. That's what God did. That's what God is doing. That's why it matters. God becomes flesh. This is the divine and the human coming together, each contributing that which would produce a divine human being who because of the intimate presence of the Holy Spirit cancels out sin. Glory to God. He would be sinless. And as a result, he would be able to die in the place of guilty Derek and guilty Ryan and guilty Delaney. He, he did that in our place. Robert Moeller, Albert, R. Albert Moeller said, in order that the death of Christ might fully atone for sin, he had to be fully completely God and fully man. Don't overhear me this morning. Born of the Holy Spirit, 
through the Virgin Mary. Without the virgin birth, Christ is not God. And if Christ was not conceived by the Holy Spirit, then he must have a human father, and thus he is not divine. Also without the virgin birth, the gospel does not provide salvation. If the virgin birth is a lie, then Jesus could never reverse the curse and save sinners. That means all those songs we sang this morning meant nothing. Those prayers you prayed mean nothing. That's why it matters. Because if Jesus is not God, then the curse is not reversed, and we are still lost and hopeless. So what does it mean? It means Jesus Christ is all God and all man at the same time. He is not half and half. He's not 50-50. We believe in what we call the doctrine of hypostatic Union, that's a big word. It's not what happens when your stocks stick together in the dryer after you pull them out. No, it, it's a big theological word. Hypostatic union is an attempt for us to explain how Jesus could be both God and man at the same time. His humanity didn't take away from his divinity. His divinity didn't take away from his humanity. The term is used to describe how God the Son, Jesus Christ, took on our human nature, yet remained fully God at the same time. Jesus' two natures, human and divine, are inseparable. Listen, I love this. this I, I knew this. I know these things intellectually, but sometimes I need to be reminded in my heart, Jesus will forever ever be the God man fully God and fully human get that now two distinct natures in one person I'm trying to I'm, I'm a black preacher I'm still black and I like to shout Jesus, his humanity and divinity are not mixed, but are united without loss of separate identity. I'm trying to home because, see, when I, 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 I think in pictures, and I'm thinking right now how Jesus came out of that grave with a human body, but with a resurrected body. I'm thinking about that day at the Mount of Olives where he ascended into heaven. And now we're going to get to this in the creed. He is seated at the right hand because you only sit down when you're finished. He's seated at the right hand. And you know what he's doing right now? Woo! He's leaning over and he's over the balcony of heaven. And he's saying, Father, look at Derek. Talk about me. My name is on his lips in prayer. Hallelujah. He knows you by name. 
He doesn't say human being 9, 6, 8, 2, 3, 4, dash 8. Linda, he knows you by name. He knows, he knows me, Derek Lamar Smith, from another Derek Lamar Smith that I don't even know. Right now, this God-man is seated at the right hand of the Father with your name on his lips. That's why Paul wrote, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, that's the first Adam, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, many will be made righteous. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for our sake, God made him Jesus to be sin for us, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what this means. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Listen, just as God chose Mary, he has chosen you too. Every week, God sends his messenger to announce this good news to you. We are blessed just like Mary, and we have received God's favor, his grace, and God has sent the message of good news to us in our obscurity. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're battling in your mind. I don't know what you worry about. I don't know what you stress about. I don't want, know what annoys you. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, but I tell you what, even in your security, in obscurity, and in your insecurity, God has sent the good news that, 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 that you have been chosen by him. And, and, and it's not because we are worthy, not because we're deserving, we have not earned it, we are not chosen because of our social status or because of our lack of status. What God did for Mary, he has done for us. He has chosen us. He has given us his grace and he continues to give us his grace. He's given us his son. He's given his son for you. Jesus died for your sins on that cross. In Nazareth, Mary said, I am the Lord's slave. Let it be to me according to his word. And you know what? 33 years later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to his father, not my will, but your will be done. Doesn't that sound like the same prayer? Submit your Every day, walking, talking, actions, reactions, thoughts, and thinking, choices, and decisions to the Lord. You've got to do that every day. Every morning, you have to, you have to Lord, I, I, I submit my thinking to you today because it can get carried away real quick. 
Lord, I submit my actions and reactions to you because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible for what people say or do, but I'm totally responsible for the way I react to what they say or do. Holy Spirit, I submit to you now. I, I submit to you my choices and decisions. I don't know what I'm going to be confronted with, but I submit them to you right now. And I ask that you would fill me with your spirit so that I can walk in the spirit. I'm learning how to do that. I ought to know how I automatically know how to walk in the flesh. That's my default. I know how to, you know, you know, you know how on, on, on Microsoft you have a default like times. Uh, um, uh, um, what's the font? Times. There you go. You know it. And, 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 and that's my default, and the flesh is my default. Am I the only one? No, I'm not. I know it's yours too. We, we, the, walking in the Spirit is not our default. So every morning, but not only every morning, maybe, maybe when I get in the car on the, on the drive to work, Holy Spirit, um, help me submit to you in my actions and reactions, in my thinking, in my thoughts, in my decisions and choices. When you're faced with the unbelievable and when life seems impossible, I want you to know that you are empowered right now by God the Holy Spirit. And that right now, this very moment, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is seated right next to God the Father, making intercession for you. The Holy Spirit, ah, that overshadowed Mary is now living inside of you. Dad, mom, husband, living single. And just like Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God, by his spirit, empowers you to say that to everything in your life. Whatever God says, I am your servant. I am your slave. I belong to you. And let whatever your word is for my life, let it be to me according to your word. I want to know, I want you to know that God is empowering you to say that this morning because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and because he was born of the Virgin Mary. That same power that overshadowed Mary that caused the birth of Jesus is the same power that 33 years later raised her son up out of the grave. And then 50 days after that, that same Holy Spirit was sent down from heaven to, to fill that upper room. We just celebrated Pentecost, and that same spirit is present in the life of every believer who follows Jesus Christ. I love Christianity because it ain't a do-it-yourself religion. It ain't a DIY. You don't, you don't have to go to Home Depot to be a Christian. You don't have to go to Lowe's. God has given you his holy presence. I'm done. But I've been married a long time now, 
I was married before. Confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. And when I was a pastor, I was pastoring a large church. It was pretty decent. I was full-time. I was a great preacher, great pastor, terrible husband, terrible father, because I didn't understand that I needed the Holy Spirit. I needed to remember that I, 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 the Holy Spirit lives in me and empowers me to be a godly kind of husband that loves his wife as Christ loves the church. I didn't know. I knew it intellectually, but it hadn't gotten down to my heart. I was preaching every weekend. I was growing a church in a collegiate community. I took in 150 people in two years. I had a lot of intellectual knowledge, but God's spirit, I, had, I, w I was so intellectual, I hadn't allowed him to penetrate the deep places and recesses of my heart. I was so informed by culture, but that I wasn't informed by Christ's word. I said this creed every week, but I didn't connect the dots that the same spirit that conceived Jesus in Mary's womb was now living and empowering me to live the life that God had called and saved and delivered me to live. And I believe that happens in the lives of every single one of us in this room. We believe the creed intellectually, but how does the creed affect you as a husband? How does the creed inform you as a wife and a parent? How does the creed, do, do, do you go by the creed or do you go by your party? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. It's the unbelievable true story. And what makes it even more unbelievable is that that same God lives in jacked up, cracked up, leaky men and women like the person sitting next to you right now. That's amazing. That's grace. The same grace and favor that Mary experienced, you get to experience. Let's pray. Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It is your spirit that produces the fruit. Long after I'm sitting down and we've left this place, this property, this campus, it is your spirit that teaches and it's your spirit while we're standing in that the sink rinsing off dishes reminds us of something in this sermon. It's your spirit while we've, we've gotten out of the shower and we're drying off and we're brushing our teeth. It's your spirit who brings something in this message back to our remembrance. Help us to be open to your spirit, that same life-giving power. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.